You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer, And on today's show, also joined by John Kegley, the Chargers Encyclopedia, here with us today to break down this game against the Raiders. And this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three writers who've got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network as well, but we've been covering the Chargers for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, it's Friday, so it's time to get into our keys for success today, our game predictions, our bold predictions. But first, welcome into everybody. If it's your first time, we appreciate you checking out the show. And if you're one of our loyal listeners, we appreciate you checking back in with us again, going into a game against the Raiders. And it doesn't take much to get hyped up for Raiders Week, Raiders week right? Because it's just one of those games that you get excited for. You circle those dates on your calendar. So we're going to be here today breaking that down for you and we're going to start with the news that the injury report this week for Thursday has come out and there's obviously big names on the charger side with Joey Bosa and Troy Mayne Pope still out with the concussion protocol but on the Raiders side there were some late developments on that one Trent Brown back to the COVID list you have Josh Jacobs getting added onto the list late and much more to get into there a lot of injuries on both sides, but then we're getting into our keys for success offensively, then defensively before getting into our game and bold predictions. So I don't know how you guys are feeling about the predictions for this one. We'll see how we feel about it at the end of the show, but let's go ahead and get into it. The injury report for the Chargers and Raiders on Thursday has now come out, and there are some late additions for the Raiders and some big names for the Chargers on the list. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. We know that for the Chargers this year has had a lot to do with injuries and where they find themselves now at 2-5. and five. And this week is no different because there's some big names on here for the Chargers that are really in doubt to play this weekend. But there's also some good news. Brian Bulaga was able to practice in full on Wednesday and limited on Thursday. I would think that that Thursday is just to really make sure he's fully ready coming off of his first start in a long time for the weekend. But... Trey Turner was back at practice this week, only in a limited capacity, David, but we did see him hint that he would be back soon earlier on in the week, and it looks like that's come to fruition a little bit because he is back on the practice field for the first time since week three. So that was something that was really great to see for Trey Turner and for Brian Bulaga as well. Absolutely. The Chargers getting some semblance of the right side of the offensive line that they constructed in the offseason. A couple of guys they expected to make a big impact. Brian Bulaga, who they signed to a three-year contract, and Trey Turner, who they traded for. And those guys just haven't been on the field at the same time very much this season. So hopefully this will signal that both of these guys are going to be available on Sunday against the Raiders. 
Trey Turner being limited uh, is a good thing because it's better than nothing. And that's what we've seen from Trey Turner is no practice at all. So getting him back on the practice field is only a positive development. A couple of guys in the concussion protocol, like Daniel mentioned, Joey Bosa is obviously extremely important. He's really the only guy that's gotten consistent pressure on the quarterback all season long. So if he is not able to go, that is going to be detrimental in a huge way to the Chargers pass rush and and also Troy Mayne Pope being in the concussion protocol um, is also something to, to note because he was a big part of the reason why the Chargers rushed for over 200 plus yards last week but a lot of injuries on the Chargers side but it seems like they're getting a little bit healthier Daniel. And obviously the name to look at here is Joey Bosa just because of how instrumental he is to the success of this Chargers defense. He was out of that game last week after he sustained that concussion in the fourth quarter and the pressure immediately stopped for the Chargers defense and then the Chargers defense went to give up three fourth quarter touchdowns. So that is absolutely huge for the Chargers this week. You would expect Uchenna Nuosu and Melvin Ingram to start at the defensive end positions, but usually Nuosu is Melvin Ingram's backup and they usually like to have a bigger guy on the other side in Joey Bosa's position. So we'll see how they try to fill that out. But Troy Main Pope almost single-handedly sparked this running attack for the Chargers offense, and that will be a big blow. And I would expect them to have to bring up somebody from the practice squad to fill that spot if he's not able to go. But now it's time to flip over to the Raiders side of things, which is just really weird this week because you have a guy like Jonathan Hankins, a defensive tackle, not participating all week for non-injury related reasons. You have Jonathan Abram missing both practices this week with an illness. So you really have no idea what the effects would that be on the status for Sunday's game. And then you have a guy in Josh Jacobs, the Raiders star running back who is a full participant on Wednesday, David, but does not participate in Thursday's practice. And it says he has a knee injury slash an illness. So it's really weird over there on the Raiders side of things right now, especially when you consider that Trent Brown has just been put back on the COVID-19 list. Trent Brown was a big addition to the Raiders offensive line when they signed him in free agency for $66 million. So the fact that he has been out of the lineup quite a bit since he has been signed is not good news for the Raiders. Also, on the other side, their left tackle, Colton Miller, also has missed two straight practices where, with an ankle injury. So the Raiders' offensive line is just as beat up, if not more so, than the Chargers' offensive line. And also a couple of important guys, defensive end, Arden Key, who was one of their pass rushers, has not practiced all week. And safety, Jonathan Abram, with the illness, like Daniel mentioned. That one's strange. You never know what to think about with the with an illness because they could clear that up and be just fine very quickly. So yeah, got to just keep your eyes on that. And then another uh, interesting development to close this out is that the Raiders did activate their first-round cornerback, Damon Arnett, designated him to return from IR. And so he could possibly return on Sunday, which would be a big get for the Raiders and their secondary because the corners have been abused and they need all the help that they can get. That would be a big boost to their secondary to have him back, especially because starting safety Jeff Heath has also missed practice both days this week with a hip injury, and it seems like his status could be in doubt as well. But with Trent Brown, he had a medical situation where it seemed like kind of like what happened with the Chargers and Tyrod Taylor. There was a mistake with an IV, and air got into his bloodstream, and he had to be hospitalized for that, and now he's back on the COVID-19 list. So the Raiders are reeling right now, and that's not even including all the stiff penalties levied down by the league on Thursday for them basically 
basically ignoring some of the COVID-19 protocols, which has played a part in the players that have tested positive for them so far this season. So it is really a mess over there right now, but Josh Jacobs and both tackles could be missing this game this weekend against the Chargers. And even the backup tackle, Sam Young, was limited in practice this week. So as banged up as the Chargers are, the Raiders have a lot of issues on their side as well. And it could equalize things this weekend when the Chargers face off against them. But we do have two more segments to get into because we got to get into our keys for success. We're going to start with the offensive side of the ball, see if the Chargers can keep this running game going limit the turnovers and much more than before wrapping things up with our defensive keys for success and our bold predictions and game predictions as well but first this football season will be different and pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season this weekend you get to watch the raiders and the chargers square off justin herbert's first game against the heated division rival so i don't need to tell you guys anything to get pumped up for that game but pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers these past Passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into our keys for success for this Chargers offense going up against a really up and down Raiders defense this weekend and really last season it didn't seem to matter how bad the Raiders defense was it seemed like Philip Rivers was always struggling against it and uh, committing a lot of turnovers but now Justin Herbert gets his crack at this Raiders defense so I have a lot of questions about this game about the Chargers offense including you know what is the running game going to look like are we going to see it keep going and much more but John when you're looking at this game and you're looking at the Chargers offense which has been putting up a ton of points in the last few games. Where are you starting with your keys for success going up against Las Vegas? My first key would have to be getting all of your weapons going like you did against the Broncos. You got Mike Williams involved a lot, finally. You got to not focus on just Keenan Allen. If you're Justin Herbert, you got to get the ball looking around to other guys. Hunter Henry, Donald Parham. Even your running backs in the passing game, the screen game worked really well against the Broncos. I want to see more of that kind of offense against the Raiders, who, as you mentioned, are up and down. Their defense is up and down. So if you can get everybody involved in the offense, you can kind of keep the Raiders guessing on what you're going to do. If you try to make a lot of plays that are like deep plays and long developing plays, you're probably not going to be very successful. The Raiders can get in there, and the Raiders are usually really, really hyped play the Chargers and they will start the game really fast and try to get after your quarterback fast so you have to start the game with quick throws and try to get those deep balls like the ones that you get the Jalen guy and you have to really develop those to be really quick developing plays maybe like in the second quarter you're probably not going to hit anything like that in the first quarter you got to start with the quick plays get everybody involved and you can set up those deep plays later on in the game Unless you're Patrick Mahomes and you find like a 65-yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill that gets called back at the very beginning of the game. But I think you're right because I think if you can start with the quick passes and kind of demoralize the Raiders pass rush because you talked with Q about it. I mean, they have not been getting after the quarterback over the last couple of games. So if you can keep them that way and not let them get off to a hot start like what happened with Carolina, who had been struggling all season until you went up against them, I think that'll do big things for the Chargers offense. I think that can include screens and things like that and also just being able to run the ball effectively. And I think that's my biggest question this week is we saw the Chargers finally break out last week in the running game, 210 
rushing yards, and a lot of that was Troy Main Pope and Justin Jackson. But you are missing a big piece of that equation because Troy Main Pope is very much in question for Sunday's game, having not been cleared from the concussion protocol yet. And we all saw how gnarly that hit was in that game against the Broncos. So I want to see, David, if the Chargers can continue that because I do think that having that balance is a good thing overall for the Chargers offense. I think last week it could have turned into a much bigger day if you didn't just settle for field goals at the end of the game. But I do think that is going to be huge against a Raiders rush defense that is just mediocre, I would say. Yeah, and there's going to be an opportunity to run the football against the Raiders. They're giving up 117.1 rushing yards per game, and that kind of goes into one of my keys, which is grind the clock and stay on the football field. The Raiders have a great offense. They can score pretty much at will, and they have a strong offensive line that will lean on you. So definitely stay on the field, chew clock, and get into manageable third downs. The Raiders are allowing a 47% conversion percentage on third down, so it will allow you to stay on the field if you get in those third and manageable situations by running the football so definitely a big part of my key is grind the clock and stay on the field as much as you can yeah I definitely get that I mean I think for me what's more important in that situation is taking advantage of the opportunities opportunities that you do have on your drives because Last week was kind of an aberration uh, as far as the stats from that game because it was so windy. I mean, if you didn't see the missed field goal uh, by the Raiders kicker in the first quarter of that game, I mean, that thing moved wildly. There was really no passing attack at all from either team very much in that game. So those stats are kind of hard to look at. But when you look at what the Raiders did as far as only allowing six possessions for the entire game to the Cleveland Browns. Six drives is what the Browns had last week, John. So obviously you're going up against a team where they might be able to chew you up a little bit and have long sustaining drives. And we'll talk about that more on the defensive keys for success. But for me, it's going to be so important for the Chargers to take advantage of those opportunities when they get them because you don't know how many you're going to get. You don't know how many you're going to get because in past games, once the Chargers... Defense has started to give up the run. The, the opposing teams have been able to do whatever they want offensively. And if you do have the Raiders do that, then yeah, you don't know how many drives you're going to get. So the Chargers do need to take advantage of every opportunity they have. But at the same time, we got to stop with this mindset of worrying about what somebody else is going to do and go in there and impose our will. We got to go in there and show we're taking over the game. And I think that starts with coaching. I want to see this game, your rivalry game, division rival, the one that the fans hate the most. Go in there and actually be aggressive. Anthony Lynn, Gus Bradley, I want to see you go out there and show that you are here to win. You're going to take over this game, and I want to see you impose that into the players. And I think that starts with passing to set up the run, and you got to make sure that you're actually going for it on fourth and one. If you're if it's fourth and one at the rate of 25, even if it's in the first quarter, go for it. you got nothing to lose right now. Show that you were here to win. I know the Raiders will go for it. The Raiders have shown that they're gonna, they might go for situations like that. John Gruden is an aggressive play caller. Anthony Lynn, you got to start doing that too in this in this kind of game. And I think well, it's funny because Anthony see them. Lynn thinks that he's a, an aggressive coach too. Like you think that he feels like he is, right? But it, a lot of situations you wouldn't necessarily get that from his decisions. 
Yeah, definitely not. And also when they're doing that, using the pass to set up the run, the run, John, I want to see them use some misdirection. I mean, I've, when, I've, when I was watching games on the Raiders, they, on the Raiders defense specifically, it seems like they can get caught out of position when you're using misdirection and you're getting them going one way and then you throw it the other way. I want to see the Chargers do that um, with their passing attack because there's some vulnerabilities uh, with this passing attack, with this uh, Raiders defense, this secondary. There's some guys that have gotten a lot of success. Robbie and Robbie Anderson went for six for 114. Alvin Kamara, nine for 95. Stefan Diggs, six for 115. Travis Kelsey, eight for 108. There is opportunities in the passing game, but I want to see them set that up with some end arounds, with some run pass options. I think if you use misdirection, it'll be there. And I want to see you actually use that on fourth and one as well. No, no, none of this running up the middle anymore, especially with this Raiders defense. They are going to swarm the middle of your offensive line. You'll go well, they'll sell out against it, too. Like, they'll be super aggressive no, thinking they know what you're going to do. Yeah. And you just got to play action or sit them in one direction or something. Reverse. Even that play you did where it was a reverse and Keenan Allen threw the ball. Something like that on fourth and one would work great. I mean, I don't know if you can let Keenan Allen throw it on fourth down because if that gets incomplete, the Chargers get absolutely crushed. I mean, can you imagine if they did that on fourth down and didn't convert it. I mean, Anthony's lens head would be on a pike outside of uh, SoFi stadium, but, but I creativity, agree. I think is the creativity point, right? is I mean, the point. Want to I mean, see more creativity. All right, let's get back on track here and get into the rest of our keys for success, because I think all of those are important. And I do think there'll be opportunities for guys like Hunter Henry and Donna Parham. Like you said, Travis Kelsey had a big game. Gronk had a big game, but I do want to see Donna Parham more involved because even last week without Virgil green, he still only got 10 snaps, which is not a crazy amount less two tight end sets by the chargers last week. But I mean, that screenplay where you fake a screen and you go back to the screen to the opposite tight end. That's something I'd like to see with Donald Parham, I mean, just to try to see that straight line speed in action. We haven't seen a lot of yards after the catch opportunities for Parham, and I think against this defense, it could be really successful. And, John, I know you talked about, you know, you're going to have to get off and get in rhythm early if you're the Chargers offense, short passes and things like that. And I think it'll be especially important for Justin Herbert to get into that rhythm so when these third downs do come up, that he's in rhythm and he can make some of these easy, easy throws that we've seen him miss early on. Uh, these past couple of weeks. But once that does get done, there are deep shots available. I mean, when you look back to the Chiefs game, there were a couple. When you look back to Tom Brady, I mean, he was dicing them up deep. Scotty Miller was torching them. I mean, the Chargers have plenty of speed to do similar things to this Raiders defense. So although I do think you want to start out that way, I think you should pass on early downs and do those quick passes, get the seven yards from Hunter Henry. We didn't see the deep game really Fully take over last week against the Denver Broncos. There was the one play to Mike Williams, but that play is going to be there this week, and I do think they're going to have to put up some points. So when you do find those deep shots, when you do set them up, max protect or whatever, there are opportunities there, and I do think the Chargers offense has to take advantage of that. Yes, but you still can't really compare because it's a better O-line for, for Tom Brady. So will the deep shots be there? Yes, but it's... Herbert going to have his opportunity to throw it early in the game? Probably not. He'll probably have a guy in his face and have to throw it off his back foot and just barely overthrow it like that one play against the Broncos where he just barely missed Jalen Guyton. He's probably going to be doing that. But if he waits to like the second quarter when you really set it up, he'll be able to nail that throw, which is why I'm saying that getting in that rhythm will set it up. And the second quarter, you should have those 70-yard touchdowns probably waiting for you just because 
The Raiders defense. How about will the be... fourth quarter? <laughs> oh, fourth quarter is a different total story. That's a total different story. That's that's a coaching situation. That's, that's a, what I want to pedal on the throat. That's let's keep the pedal. Let's keep the pedal down and keep put your foot on the Raiders' throat and throw that ball instead of. Yeah. Hey, it's a seventeen point lead. We can run the ball. We can kick a field goal. <laughs> that's a different story, my friend. That's a that's coaching is not aggressive enough. Well, and the thing is about coaching is like for a head coach, there's only certain things that you're going to have totally, you know, unanimously be your decision for the most part. That's time management, which you still should have people telling you, you know, when to take timeouts and things like that if you don't already. And the other thing is decisions to go for it. And when you look back to games against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they gave the ball back to the Buccaneers offense, when you look back to the Chiefs game punting to them, in overtime on a fourth and one situation, even if it's on your side of the field. I mean, even last week, Daniel Popper brought up a situation where the Chargers in the first half at like the 43-yard line in a fourth and five decided to punt it from there, and it goes for a touchback. What's the point of that? So I do think that being aggressive, obviously, is going to be a big thing, and that's one place where Anthony Lynn can actually you know, point to something and say, look, I went for this. And because I did this, we won the game. And that's something that has been sorely missing. So let's see if this offense can get a kill shot this weekend against the Raider if given that opportunity. I would also say that if Anthony Lane goes for it and doesn't make it, I don't think anybody would blame him. We would just say we weren't going to win the game either way. At least he showed aggressiveness. And then if he uses the right play call, no one would blame him either. Like if it's fourth and three and you try to run a draw, everyone's going to want your head. But if you do some kind of decent play where it's like a, a passing play and it was trying to hit a crossing route to Keenan Allen and Keenan drops it. You're, you're not going to sit there and go, why did Lynn go for it? You're going to say Keenan should have caught that and you give Lynn his praises. So it's got to be all in by at this point. You have a losing record and you got to start winning or else you're going to be out of this playoff race. And I think most people just want to see the ball in Justin Herbert's hands on those situations, right? On fourth down, you want the ball in Justin Herbert's hands. It's as simple as that to me. So when you just run right up the middle and you don't even try to get creative with it, I think it bothers a lot of people. But we have a lot more keys to get into and our bold and game predictions, but we're going to be getting into our keys for success defensively coming up right after this. All right, well, we talked about the Chargers offense, and now it's time to talk about a Raiders offense that is definitely the strength of the team right now going up against a Chargers defense, which is polarizing to say the least. I mean, dominant in the first half and terrible in the second half when you're looking back to last week. So, David, the Chargers are going to have their work cut out for them this week. I mean, they're going up against a team that does not mind running the football if it's available to them. I expect a heavy dose of the run game with an offensive line. I mean, it's still not the same offensive line or nearly the same offensive line that we've seen in some games this season for the Raiders. But what is your first key for the Chargers defense? What do you want to see from them this week going up against the Raiders offense? So my first key on the defensive side is pretty simple, but I think it's extremely important, and that's play sound football. Line up correctly, be in your gaps, communicate, play clean football, know your assignments, and execute on your assignments. I know that sounds like a coach's press conference, but it's something that the Chargers need to do better. They need to clean up. They need to do the little things better so that the when they do the bigger things, it's even easier. So that's the big thing. The big key for me, very, very simply, is play sound football on the defensive side. I mean, I think that if this Chargers defense knows anything, I mean, it knows how much broken coverages can really hurt you, and we've seen that 
play a part in a lot of these comebacks that we've seen against the Chargers. I mean, I would settle for play a good second half. I mean, obviously that's too broad to be a key for success, but I mean, that is when this Chargers defense, at least recently, has just been getting shredded. Happened last week against the Denver Broncos, happened against the Buccaneers, the Saints. I mean, it's been happening pretty much the entire season, at least in the big losses for the Chargers. But for me, I think it has to be thinking about the biggest thing. I think it's just controlling the line of scrimmage or at least being able to do something and not let them dictate you what they're going to do. Because if you let them get five yards of carry, John, and you let them set up the play action that way and make super easy reads for Derek Carr, it's going to be a long day for your defense. I mean, I've already told you before, the key to this defense is getting pressure. And if Derek Carr isn't pressured, isn't forced to flush the pocket or anything like that, I mean, it's going to be a long day regardless. But if you let them just, you know, lean on you, as David put it, and you let them just keep grinding out four to five yards per carry, whether or not they have Josh Jacobs, because, I mean, we've seen lesser lines, we've seen lesser running backs do it to the Chargers this season. I mean, it's just hard to imagine the Chargers defense is going to find much success. Well, I think it really has to go come down to look at yourself in the mirror and figure out what you got to do and what you got to fix at whenever it pops up. Every single game is the same thing. Chargers come out, they're swarming, they're stopping the run, they're getting after the quarterback, and then it just takes one play, and all of a sudden it's like the other team figured it out. It's like, oh, this is how we run the ball. And then once they figure out how to run the ball, here comes the passing attack, and now it's like the Chargers can't do nothing to stop this, these teams in the second half. And with the Raiders, it's going to happen. Josh Jacobs is eventually going to figure out what hole he wants to run through on the Chargers defense that's really bad against the run. So you're going to have to figure out what your adjustment is going to be when it pops up. And when once that opportunity pops up, it's really going to come down to, can you keep Derek Carr in the pocket? He doesn't like to escape the pocket lately or since his leg injury happened. He hasn't been that running out of the pocket, trying to make big plays quarterback. But if you allow him to get that confidence going, he will make you pay, as other quarterbacks have done as well, especially with the Chargers defense that will get a – pass interference call against them if you get outside the pocket. They just seem to not be able to hold on to coverage that long. So keeping Derek Carr in the pocket is one way to control the line of scrimmage as well. Because Even if you're not getting pressure, you're at least collapsing the pocket on him. But stopping that run game has got to be the biggest thing of all, and you have to stay stopping the run game for a full four quarters or they're just going to figure it out eventually. That was one of my keys too, man, is out physical Josh Jacobs, drive through him, gang tackle him, hit him in the mouth for 60 minutes. I mean, every single chance you get, just absolutely brutalize him. I want to see Denzel Perriman lay him out. Yeah, and I think for Josh Jacobs specifically, if he has to stop behind the line of scrimmage, if you can get him to pause and have him stop his feet, he is going to be a lot worse. I mean, he hasn't really been super impressive this year there hasn't been great running lanes for him I think he's fourth in the NFL as far as missed tackles that he's forced but at the same time I mean he's still averaging you know mid three three and a half yards per carry or something around that so like it hasn't been super impressive I mean I know Q was basically saying he didn't know what was going on with him he said he found a spark when Devontae Booker was going out there and out playing him and Devontae Booker has averaged over six yards per carry this season in very limited snaps. But I just think that that's going to be so important for the Chargers to not just let them get into third and threes, get into 
fourth and one situations because like John talked about, they will go for it and they will convert it and they'll keep drives going and they'll run the clock out and they'll do all the things that you don't want to see because if you're the Chargers, you don't want your offense on the sideline. You want your defense on the sideline and that's going to be a big thing. I think Devin Booker has to be a role in that too, though. You have to, you have to convert. You have to make tackles on him too. He's a guy who's probably be a part of the Raiders passing game and can be a part of the Raiders run game. And the Chargers tackling on Devin Booker when he was a Bronco wasn't exactly the best tackling. So I, that could be something that keeps Raiders drives alive. I think Devin Booker needs to be a big part of your game plan as well for the Chargers defense. Well, yeah. And I mean, it shouldn't really matter who's out there, honestly. I mean, Whoever the running back is, you have to be able to gang tackle him because each one of these guys can break tackles and you're going to have to get multiple hats to the football to, I mean, slow him down, wait for the next guy to get there. Somebody comes in for a strip. All of those things are important. But one thing that I'm wondering is who is going to cover Darren Waller in this game because the Chargers linebackers this year have struggled in coverage. We've seen Kazir White be close a couple times with tight ends, but we've seen him get mismatched with tight ends and get abused by that and as well as Kenneth Murray who hasn't been great in coverage this year but hey I mean maybe if you start blitzing Kenneth Murray and then he's there when Derek Carr gets out of the pocket as kind of a QB spy slash blitzer once there's somebody coming at Derek Carr and he's out of the pocket most of the time whether it's fourth down or not he's gonna like throw the ball away so I, I think that's something but for me Darren Waller has been pretty boomer bust this year he's gone over 88 yards twice he's had 100 yard receiving game Every other game he's had, he's had less than 50 yards. But we have seen tight ends have success against the Chargers. I mean, you look at Gronk and Cameron Brake getting a touchdown and O.J. Howard a long touchdown in that game. And the Chargers have struggled against tight ends so far this season. So I'm wondering who is going to be able to cover Darren Waller because he is a target monster. And the other thing I wonder, David, is now are the Chargers going to be able to stay together on the back end because Derek Carr, usually a check down quarterback, he has been taking more shots this year, and you talked about you know staying disciplined and things like that. I think that you know Michael Davis going up against Henry Ruggs is a good matchup. I think that even on the other side, Casey Hayward versus Nelson Aguilar, who they tested on deep shots this year, is going to be a matchup. And then Hunter Renfro seems to kill the Chargers too. But those are the matchups I'm looking at, and I'm a little bit concerned about just because this isn't the same Derek Carr where he would never try to push the ball down the field. Yeah, definitely. It's a new element to the offense uh, for the Raiders, and that's why I said these guys are very dynamic. I mean, they can move the, the ball up and down the field very, very quickly, and that brings me to my last key for success, which is find any way you can to get pressure on the quarterback. I yeah. mean, you might not have Joey Bosa out there, so, I mean, you got to get creative. you got to start sending the linebacker blitzes. you got to start you know, getting a corner blitz, getting a safety blitz. I don't care what it is. Get more creative if it's that's combinations, if that's a NASCAR package, I don't care. Get after the quarterback any way you can. You have to figure out a way to manufacture pass rush, or this is going to be a really long day. Yeah, I know John was talking about that. He wants Gus Bradley to, to listen. I would also say don't let Darren Waller take over this game in the passing game either. Once he catches a ball and has a little bit of room to run, you get first downs throughout the game, he could take over this game by himself as well. Yeah, you well, got to account for him that, on every single play. You got to know but where he's at. It's not even just that, but it's also if you're in third down and it's third and six, there Darren Waller can kill you all day. If you find a way to get a tackle for lost on first down and now it's second and 12 or third and nine or something like that, it makes him less effective because he's used to, you know, catching runs. He's only averaging about eight yards 
per carry. They like to get him the ball around the line of scrimmage. And if you're, you know, in that situation, you just have to hope that your corners are able to come up and be physical enough to tackle him and not let him get going. But if you're in second and twos, third and fours, Darren Waller is absolutely going to kill you, especially if you're just, you know, letting him kind of sit down in a zone somewhere. I mean, that's why Hunter Renfro, as you heard from your boy Q, always kills the Chargers in that way. But let's get into our bold predictions for this game. John, where are you going for your bold prediction this week? Uh, let's see. How about I go for a big one, and I say that Hunter Henry goes for 200 receiving yards in this game. <laughs> that would be a big one and something I don't think is even possible. David, where are you going with your bold prediction? So I kind of went back and forth with this one because I really liked Linval Joseph, but I'm going to go with Keenan Allen for mine. I think Keenan Allen's going to have a monster game. I talked earlier about how there's some receivers out there that has had a lot of success against this Raiders secondary. I think Keenan Allen's going to torch him 152 touchdowns. That'd be nice to see Keenan Allen, you know, getting a couple touchdowns too, just because when you look at him against the top receivers, that's really the only place that he's deficient and not, you know, ahead of the curve or much better than most receivers. So I would like that. And it seems like the Chargers don't really know how to use Keenan Allen in the red zone, but we did get a little taste last week and that was nice. But for mine, I was hoping somebody would go defense. I'll still stick with the offense. I'm going to go with the two more unheralded players. I think we're going to get big games from Donald Parham and Jalen Guyton. I'm going to say that Jalen Guyton goes three for 125 and a touchdown. And I think Donald Parham gets like a career high, three catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. Unfortunately, he can't keep up his one catch, one touchdown uh, role that he had been on so far. He's going to have a a catch that's not a touchdown. Bold prediction. All right, let's get into our game predictions. I don't know if any of us are feeling great about this one, especially going up against a lesser division rival last week. So, David, you're the optimist. Where are you going with this one? Yeah, I don't feel great about this game, but I think the Chargers have been disrespected in their 0-8 in the division since 2019, and I know that sticks in their crawl, and they're very pissed off about that. I think they're going to be extra motivated after losing that, you know, another game in just incredulous, devastating fashion. I think they're going to come back super focused, and I actually have them beating the Raiders in a very high-scoring game. I'm going 38-35 Chargers. They still believe in them to finish out a game in the division. All right, John, I know you gave your prediction yesterday on the crossover show, uh, but give us a little bit of the history and then tell people again what you think is going to happen. Well, just for the record, the reason I didn't go defense for my bold prediction because I just don't have the guts to. <laughs> there you go. But you do have the guts to go Hunter Henry 200 receiving yards, so I, I respect like you for that. I feel like there's a better chance of that than the oh, Chargers no. playing good second-half defense. But uh, anyway... Oh, no. All time, the Raiders lead this series 65-54-2. There was a point when the Chargers were on a 13-game win streak on the Raiders, but since then it's been really like back and forth since that time. So not much an advantage here. It's mostly teams just going like a four-game win streak. One the Raiders will do, then the Chargers will do. Right now the Raiders are on a two-game streak. It's really just whoever has a decent amount of an advantage at that point in time. And right now, I would say the Raiders have that advantage. And I think that's just because the Raiders are more aggressive and the Chargers still have their second half collapses. I think Chargers might get a decent lead in this game and blow it again. I'm willing to say they're going to do it. And they're probably going to lose this game 34-30 to the Raiders. My score is going to be similar to yours. And like I said last week, I mean, the Chargers should have won that game, obviously. You're up by 21 points. And 
What was my analysis? I said, I just can't trust them to finish off any games, especially in the division. They're going to have to prove it to me before I'm going to put my money on them winning a game like this. So even though I do think the injuries to the Raiders are an equalizer, even knowing that Joey Bosa is not potentially going to play in this game, we just don't know at this point. I do think the Chargers you know, will be in this game as they are in every game. And I think at the end of it, they'll fail to finish once again. I'm not going to say that they're going to blow a fifth consecutive 16-point lead, but I will say that I think the Raiders end up winning this one. I'm going with the score of 31-27 to 27 Raiders. I think the Chargers still haven't shown the ability to finish, and especially inside this division, like I said, they're going to have to win one before I'm going to bet on them. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Hopefully we get to come back here on Monday and rub it in all the Raider fans' faces that the Chargers went out and crushed them, even though they're 2-5 and five this season. But... Until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockdownLAC and like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there, and that's the fastest and easiest way to get the show. But if you guys want to get your game reactions in after the game or just give us your thoughts on how you're feeling going into it, the voicemail line is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail Play it on the show as long as you guys can keep it reasonably timed so we can get more of them in. But we'll be back with you guys on Monday, hopefully talking about a win. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.